you overestimate what you can achieve in one year, but you underestimate what you can achieve in five. As much as we look organized, it's like controlled chaos. People say that, but that's what it really is. I have no idea who anybody is when they get hired because I never interviewed them, didn't put the ad out. Our team and our COOs are the ones hiring within their own companies and making the decisions on their own. I empower them to do that. We should be able to net multiple seven figures. That's on a company. I kid you not, I probably spend an hour a month on. I guarantee you, if you follow in that time frame, you will be a multimillionaire. You're going to have a seven-figure business. You're going to have investments. You're going to have made money, and you'll be a multimillionaire. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Way Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Pineda, and today I am solo. We are going in-depth on how I own multiple businesses and what it actually looks like in the back end because so many of the people that come to our events and everything, the first thing they want to do is own multiple businesses. And if you've been following me lately, I've been talking about this concept of make, manage, multiply. And I think it's really important to understand that concept, plus how to actually build all these different businesses when you're in the multiply stage. So um, I'm going to be going over COOs, I'm going to be going over partnerships, organizational structures, what my day-to-day looks like in businesses, so you can get the full picture of what it really looks like behind the scenes, not just on social media. So um, first off, okay, it's important to know this. I am a firm believer in what I am calling the 3M framework, make, manage, multiply. The one-minute version is this, okay? In stage one, for any entrepreneur who's trying to build wealth fast, okay, you want to get to the make stage. And that is, you need to make $250,000, okay? With one skill, not multiple businesses and side hustles, one skill that makes you 250. I don't care what that skill is. I think real estate can get you there with flipping, wholesaling, Airbnb. I think you can get there as a content creator. I think you can get there as a salesperson. Lots of skills can get you to 250, right? Stage two is manage. And manage is taking the skill and building a business around it. So, you know, if you're in the real estate business, how do we start hiring people and building an organization where people can now get deals for you? People can manage the projects for you and you can really grow this. Now, you don't conquer this stage two of manage until you reach a million dollars in the business. Now, this can come over a spread of multiple years, but until you reach a million dollars, you have not graduated the manage stage. Now, once your business has made a million bucks, Um, And um, this is not, you don't have to make a million bucks in a year, but just overall, maybe it takes you three years. You know, you make a million bucks. You then get to go to the multiply stage. Multiply is when you can start multiplying your money and doing different things because you've already created a successful business. This is where I want you to start buying rental properties. This is where I want you to start, you know, doubling down on your business and reinvesting back into it and, you know, growing and spending more on marketing and, you know, growing it that way. But this is also where I now give people permission to start a new business. This is where you can start this new stream of income because guess what? You have business success now. You understand the nuances of running a business, of running a sales team, a marketing department, operations, fulfilling on a product. You understand the core concepts of business where now you can go start a new one. And my advice to you would be to start a business that's in your current field. Maybe it's just another vertical of the same thing. For example, you know, I started flipping houses when I was in the make, manage, multiply stage. You know, flipping helped me make 250. I then built my flipping company to a seven-figure business. I then got to the multiply stage and people were like, Ryan, teach me how to flip houses. And I was like, all right, 
So I start my new company, Future Flipper at that time, which is now Wealthy Investor. And it was a vertical of the same thing, but it's a whole new business, right? And so it's only once you get to the multiply stage that you should really look at owning other businesses because so many people get it twisted. They're they're like in the make stage still and they're thinking, oh, I need, I need a, two more businesses and all this stuff. And I'm like, bro, you don't even know how to run one business. Why do you think you could run two or three? You haven't masked, you haven't done anything and you don't even have the money, um, the experience or anything to do them successfully. So this is why we teach this the way we do in wealthy world. And um, really, we, we have a five-year plan with wealthy world, okay? It's all about becoming a multimillionaire in five years, even if you're starting at zero. You know, year one, get that make skill. Go make 250. We can teach you how to do it through real estate, content creation, and other things. Years two and three, let's master the managed stage. Let's use all of our resources to teach you how to become a great leader, how to manage people, how to hire people, recruit, fire, all of those things. Year four, now you're in the multiply stage. And let's figure out how to start a new business, how to reinvest in your current business and do it even bigger. Year five, once you've done that, all you gotta do is just keep repeating the process over and over again. Just get better at what you do. And I guarantee you, if you follow in that time frame, you will be a multimillionaire. You're gonna have a seven-figure business. You're gonna have investments. You're gonna have made money and you'll be a multimillionaire. That's how you go from zero to multimillionaire in five years. Sounds simple, but obviously there's a lot of things that have to happen along the way. But my point is, like to truly become a multimillionaire, it's not something that's gonna happen a year from now. Like you you need to really go into it with this five-year time horizon. There's a saying that people, um, that you know you overestimate what you can achieve in one year, but you underestimate what you can achieve in five, right? So like for me, I started flipping houses in 2015. So that was my point when I was at zero. You know, and five years later, um, in 2020, I was a multimillionaire. I had multiple businesses. I had rental properties, multimillionaire. So you can do it. I did it. You can as well. All right. Now, that being said, okay, let's talk about just once you're in this multiply stage, because many of you watching this, hopefully you're already very successful. You're already in the multiply stage. You've, you've made seven figures, you know, in a business with one skill. And now you're thinking, Ryan, look, I want to own multiple businesses. I really love the game business. I'm thinking about starting this company, that company, whatever. Okay, how do, how do you go about it? How do you run them? How do you pick which one to start? So let's first pick, let's talk about <laughs> the idea. When you're going to start a new business or even not even start a business, but potentially buy a business, right? You need to first figure out, okay, what is the business I want to do? And be very picky with this because what I see people do, which is wrong, is just all of a sudden like have an opportunity brought to them and it's the first opportunity and they're like, oh yeah, this can make money, let's do it. And it's like, no, that's not what you should do, okay? You should evaluate it through the lens of number one, is this worth my time, okay? Because there's lots of businesses that are gonna be time sucks that are not worth it. So you should have a really good idea of just opportunity cost in your mind. You're like, okay, well, this new business is gonna take you know, 20, 30 hours a week of my time to go do this. And it's going to make this much money, you know, on the projection. If it's worth it and you're passionate about it, cool. If it's not, then you're like, all right, this is not a good opportunity. You know, if somebody told me like, Ryan, dude, let's partner up on a couch flipping business. I'd be like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) It's not a good enough opportunity for me. It doesn't mean it's a bad business. Doesn't mean it can't make money. It's just not the right opportunity for me. 
So the first thing you have to do is evaluate the opportunity and see if it's worth your time or not. Okay. So that's number one. Number two thing I always ask myself is, does this business amplify my existing business? Because if the business is by itself on its own, even if it's a great idea, that's great. But if I can already get that business to be amplified or my existing business to be amplified by you know, them now being together, that's a huge win. So to give you an example of this, if I were to have started a tax firm on its own, standalone, and I didn't have anything I have today, it would have been dumb. I would have never started a tax firm. But because I already had a following, all of whom need tax, because I already had a coaching problem or a program, <laughs> coaching problem, coaching program um, with all these students, they needed tax. Because, you know, I have this social media following now, I have experience, people are always asking me about tax and accounting and everything else. And so guess what? Starting an accounting firm made a lot of sense because of everything I already had existing. Plus, I wanted it for myself. I just, I couldn't find a good accountant. And so I ended up just starting my own. Like I I plucked my partner, Matt Bontrager from um, his company and I said, let's start our own. And so we did, you know? And start of 2020, we started TrueBooks and it's just continued to scale ever since. And like now, you know, and I'll tell you this, I'll be honest with you guys on, on TrueBooks, you know, in 2020 and 2021, it was not worth my time, you know, because we were building the foundation. I mean, we might've made, we made barely six figures in 2020 in revenue. Okay. 2021, I think we like six X'd, right? And so it was good, but Still, like after all of our expenses, our cost and, you know, profit splits and distribution, like all the stuff, I barely made, I didn't even make six figures from it personally. So for two years, I like made no money on TrueBooks. And then in year three, we became a multi seven figure company. And guess what? We net over, and Matt, I don't know if he'll get mad if I say this, but we net seven figures. All right. And so now it's a significant amount of money for me and Matt. And guess what? In tax, people are very sticky because if you do a great job, they're going to stay with you. And so we don't have to keep acquiring new customers, even though we are. Like we're building up this database and this this giant pool of really good customers and clients. And so this year, we should be able to net multiple seven figures, okay? And that's on a company that I spend, I mean, I... I kid you not, I probably spend an hour a month on. Like that's how much time I spend at that company. And so the question becomes, how is that, right? How how can it be that successful with that little time? I'm gonna get onto that in a second. Okay, how do you do that? WealthCon is coming to Hollywood. If you've ever been to any of my events, you know they're life-changing. We get the best speakers, we have the best venues, we have the best parties, after parties, and networking that you could imagine. I've met so many people who ended up becoming business partners of mine at my events. I've made great relationships, and the people who have attended have done the same. And so I want to see you at my next one in Hollywood, California, April 4th to the 6th. It's going to be absolutely incredible. We've got speakers like Chris Crone, Lewis House. We got Roe Built from Bigger Pockets. The list goes on and on. We have a huge lineup of speakers, and I want you to be there. So if you want to attend the event and learn more, go to wealthcon.org. Once again, you can go to wealthcon.org and go learn more about the event and register today. It goes back to can 
this business amplify what I am already doing? That is the first thing I ask myself before starting a new business. That's why I started Panetta Capital. I'm like, look, people want to give us money to go invest um, for them. So let's go start this because it's already, we're already finding deals. We already do renovations. Like, let's just do it on a bigger scale. So we start that. Like, I've seen other guys do this, like realtors, and they're not even in the multiply stage yet, but they go and buy some crazy thing. They go and get, um, they, they try and buy a franchise and all these things. And I'm like, guys, just, just be a better realtor. <laughs> just get better at wholesaling. Don't worry about all these other things until you master that skill and build a business around it. Um, so, you know, I, I just want to always make that clear, but anyways, so you've got an opportunity, you've evaluated it, it's worth your time. Second thing, okay, you look at this, it, it can be amplified by what you're already doing. Um, so where it's one plus one doesn't equal two, one plus one equals four now, right? Okay, the third thing I look at is, okay, the, these two boxes check, I need an operator, okay? If I'm gonna do this, obviously I have the resources to do it. Like it's a given, you have the resources, right? You have enough time to go execute it and you have enough money. Okay. If you've got enough time, you've got enough money. Like I'm assuming if you're going to start a new business, you've got those two things, whether you're borrowing the money, you know, or whatever the case is, you got to have a realistic amount of time. You know, you're going to spend to launch that company. Now, does it mean you got to be involved in it day to day? I mean, initially probably, but um, over time, hopefully you can phase out just like you're going to try and phase out of your first company. So, um, when, when you're looking at time, you need to also evaluate how is this going to impact the current company that you have? Because if you're going to go leave that company and put in less hours and you're going to go try this new company, how will that impact the other company? That's something you got to ask yourself. I mean, there's always a sacrifice. You know, when I wanted to get into social media in 2020, I was going on seller appointments at the time. And guess what? I say, hey guys, I'm no longer going to go on seller appointments. I have to go do this social media thing and make content and spend all my time here. And guess what? It was a big financial hit, right? Like they weren't as good of closing deals as I was. And it took time, but eventually they did get as good. And in fact, they got better than me because I allowed them the time to grow, develop and fail and succeed and learn and you know, now it's been a business that's run without me for three years, right? I mean, in my house living business, I, it's very much like my tax business. I spend almost no time in it because we have great operators and all that, which I'll get into here um, later on in the podcast. But anyways, um, you got to have a clear understanding of time, how much it's going to take you to launch this thing in time and money, how much money you're going to lose by not being in your business the way you were previously. You may not lose any money. You might have been fully delegated and you're good. Fantastic, but there's there's definitely a cost. So you're evaluating your resources, okay? And you understand like, hey, I, I've got the time. I've got the money. Great, okay? The next thing you gotta find is the people. And for me, when I am starting a new company, the very first thing that I do is figure out Who's my top guy going to be? Who's the COO? Who's the operator? I will not start a company without knowing who that is off the bat. Now, this is a, a huge difference from what most people, most people hire from the bottom up. I hire from the top down. And this is the only way to play the game. Like I've not seen anyone else build from the bottom up successfully in new ventures. 
Okay. Now, when you're first starting out, you're you're building from the bottom up typically, right? You're like, oh, I'm a hire a sales guy. I'm a hire, you know, a marketing person, an admin. So you're building from the bottom and you're the CEO and the COO. But eventually you end up hiring a COO who's able to do, you know, the day-to-day stuff. And that's kind of what happened with me. Right. I was in my house living business. I hired a COO. Um, they ended up taking over operations, and I was able to go now do other endeavors. So for me now, I don't have time to go be in any one business, right? I just don't. I can be in, involved in it at the launch. That's okay. I and, I and I'll be fully aware of how much time I need to put into it at launch. But in the long run, and even like initially, I know, hey, I got to have somebody who's in charge of running this business. If I don't have that, I will not start it. So, you know, for us, uh, first thing I look at is a COO operator and I'm like, Hey, who's going to manage this thing? Because there's day-to-day responsibilities that are needed for this thing to be successful. And I don't have the capacity to do it. So if we're going to start this, we got to find someone really talented beyond me, somebody who's hungry, somebody who's a good leader. Um, also too, what I really look for in this person is somebody who's sales driven, right? Like there, there are two types of operators, by the way. And I've, I've hired both and I've realized like in most cases you want this type of person. Okay. Um, there are basically like sales driven operators and then there are like organizational driven operators. All right. And they're both like needed once you get to a big level. But when you're starting a company from zero, you need the salesperson because the operations guy ain't going to get the business off the ground. They just don't know how. And they're good at managing what's already built, okay? But they are not good at taking it off the ground. You need sales and you need marketing to get a business off the ground. So if I'm a hire an operator, it's a brand new business, I'm usually getting somebody who is very sales-driven and figuring out how we can generate revenue for this business, okay? That's my number one like goal with a good operator. But, you know, do I have other operators who are very just like, organizationally driven. Um, I, I brought up true books, my tax firm earlier. Matt is very much this way. Matt is very organizationally driven. He is so good at the organizational side. Um, and so he is like at the end of the day, like, and I, I want that in a tax guy, right. In accounting, right. I don't want somebody who's just crazy running that. But, um, if we had somebody that was more sales driven, um, well, I should say I was the sales driven catalyst early on with TrueBooks, like helping us, um, you know, get more clients and customers. And so I was being sales driven in other ways that were a funnel to TrueBooks. So by being sales driven towards growing my education company, it in turn allowed TrueBooks to get those same people. And so even though TrueBooks didn't have like a sales driven culture, it got it anyways. And so Matt was so like, it was just very much perfectly set up. And it it goes back to how one plus one equaled four by having the education and true books together. It was one plus one equals four because true books standalone didn't need to do all of the marketing that, um, it would need to do if it was just its own company with nothing else. Right. So anyways, I like to have sales driven entrepreneur, um, well, not entrepreneur operator, I should say, uh, if I'm going to start a company from scratch, um, you know, a, a guy like, you know, when I look at some of my other operators, Brian Davila at, you know, Wealthy World is very sales uh, driven. Um, Javi, 
who is my COO at my parent company level, Pineda Company. He's very sales driven. And that's why we continue to grow because we want sales driven people driving growth. Um, but we've also found operators to help balance them out who can keep up with the sales driven pace, right? Trying to keep up with me and the things that I want is extremely difficult. So you got to have people who basically pick up the pieces behind me because I'm just breaking stuff all day, every day, just like navigating, throwing out new ideas, testing different marketing strategies, throwing out new products. And these guys are just like picking up the pieces, making sure it all works. And then guess what happens? You know, after doing it enough, you realize what the winners are, what the losers are, and you just do more of the winners. And that's how you create a successful organization, right? Um, nothing is just, <laughs> I'll tell you this, when you're growing to a million bucks and when you're going a million to 10 million, nothing is clean. Like it's all a mess. That's business. Like as much as we look organized, it's like controlled chaos. People say that, but that's what it really is. You know, you're dealing with real people, <laughs> both employees and customers. So, you know, you got to just realize like it's not going to be perfection. It's going to be a mess, a controlled mess, right? So anyways, I like to hire top down. And if I know, and I know if I get a really good operator, they're going to hire the rest of the people the right way. They're going to go find a good salesperson, a good marketing person, good admins and operational staff. I don't need to go, like basically by hiring one good person, I basically hired a whole company because that one person's going to hire the rest. And that's exactly what we operate now. Like I have no idea who anybody is when they get hired because I never interviewed them. I didn't put the ad out. Like our team and our COOs are the ones hiring within their own companies and making the decisions on their own. I empower them to do that. I don't make the decisions. Like I got friends who want to work for me. And I'm like, go talk to the COO, dude. Like it ain't, I'm not hiring you. It's not my job. And you know, even like it, it, it also takes it off my plate where I don't have to play like this favoritism game or anything. I'm like, look, go interview with him. If he likes you, he'll hire you. Cause he's the one managing you. It ain't me. So, you know, he's the one that you got to impress, not me. And it's the truth. So, um, you know, many of my friends have been hired. Many have been fired. Many have been not hired. Like I, I haven't had to do any of them. So it, it, it's just best for everyone um, in the grand scheme of things. So that's what happens when you hire a good operator off the bat. Now, from there, okay, I'm going to put myself in your shoes, okay? I'm not, and then I'm going to tell you what I, where I'm at right now. But if I'm putting myself in your shoes, you know, you're, you're now starting your second business after a first one that was successful. Um, you are going to have to, uh, you know, probably spend a lot of time there just reworking things, figuring out like, hey, what kind of marketing are we going to use? Because this is a whole new business, a whole new product, right? You, you have to test. You don't know how people are going to respond. You can have a plan and an idea, but you may, I mean, you will not know until you test. And so for me, when I have a new company, like we go in with our initial business plan and we test it and we get feedback. What do people think about the price? What do you think people think about the product? What do we need to change? Um, maybe we thought there was something they would really find important and they don't. Maybe there's something we didn't think was that big of a deal, but now it's a huge deal. So how do we adjust in the early stages to really formulate the company into what it is? And every business has been this way, right? In, in wealthy world, I mean, it's called wealthy world now because it's this world of products and services and just education, but it used to just be flipping houses. Now we've got you know, wealthy investor for flipping houses and wholesaling 
and Airbnb. We've got Wealthy Creator for social media. We're launching Wealthy Business for just normal entrepreneurs. We're launching Wealthy Kingdom for Christian entrepreneurs. And we're going to launch other things too, like sales training and marketing and you know all these niche things because Wealthy World has essentially become a university, right? Like we're going to have all these different classes to help people accomplish the goal of Make, Manage, Multiply and go from zero to multimillionaire in five years. And we're treating it like a university, like, hey, this is a five-year plan. We want you for five years because that's what it's going to take to get you from here to there. It will not happen in one year or overnight. You may have success in year one, but now you need a totally different skill set in year two to get to the next level. So the product has evolved drastically as time has gone on and we have figured out what people need, what they want, what's going to make them successful. So when you're in this early stage of starting a business, um, you need to be listening to all feedback, like be very hands-on and involved. Now is not the time to delegate on a new business. And even myself, I don't. When we launch a new business, that's all I'm focused on. I am not focused on any other businesses. So that's one key that you got to realize is like, when I make the choice that I'm starting a new business, I know that as far as like day-to-day goes, like, I'm going to spend more time on that new business than any of my other businesses, right? Doesn't mean I don't spend any time on those businesses. I do. I still will spend time on each business as needed, but I'm directing all of my focus into this new business. And that's how you need to think about it too. If you want it to be successful, put your focus into it. Now, here's the funny thing that will happen. You're going to say, well, Ryan, I got to focus on my main business because that's what's making it all the money and I can't afford to go focus on this. Well, you shouldn't start that business then. (laughs) like if you can't start it, if you cannot focus on growing it off the bat, it's not worth starting, obviously, right? You don't find it worthy enough. And if that's the case, you don't need to start a new business. Just work on your existing one and do what you're talking about. Just focus on that more and grow it. Nobody's forcing you to start a new business, okay? So I'm gonna assume that by you saying, I wanna start this new business, it's worth your time. You know, it's, it's got you know, some synergistic thing that makes it good for you. And, you know, it might not. And and in a rare occasion, if it's just such a great opportunity, then cool, whatever. But I usually, man, I want synergy with my businesses. You know, give you an example. Our newest business, we just launched Pineda Media, right? Where we're editing and um, managing social media um, profiles for entrepreneurs, right? Like we will literally edit your videos, coach you through filming them, post them for you. You can use our studio. You can film at home. We'll we'll work with you however possible to go grow your brand. Um, this is a very synergistic business because I have Wealthy Creator where we teach them how to film and all these things. And you know it, those people are just coaching clients. And so they're learning how to build their personal brand on social media and create content. But we realized doing it for, you know, going on, man, maybe like four months or so, that people were still struggling to find editors and you know reputable people to create the content, even though we were teaching them how to make great videos. So guess what? We said, we'll just do it ourselves, right? Kind of like the tax firm. We'll just do it ourselves, do it for you. We already have all these clients built in who need it. It's going to amplify both. And sure enough, the demand for it has been absolutely insane. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
you always want that to be worthwhile. And so guess what I'm doing? Like while we're in Pineda Media, I'm monitoring, hey, how many signups are we getting a day? Tell me about the coaching calls. What are people thinking about as we film these videos with them? What's the feedback been from the clients? How many views are they getting with our videos? You know, are we helping them create good enough hooks? I'm watching all these things so that I can see how we can improve the product. Because guess what? As I go through this product um, improvement stage, you know, as we as we get it better and better, word of mouth will start to grow and we'll work through the kinks and, you know, we'll get more and more clients and they'll tell their friends and it'll be this great thing. But, you know, when you're launching, you, you've got to just really pay attention and work through all of the new challenges and problems that you didn't have before. So, you know, I spend a lot of my time uh, doing that on a new business. You know, I've got the operator and once... The business is in a good spot. Like we're pretty good on our product mix. You know, we're we're having success. People are in the right seats and the right roles. Then, you know, I'll kind of like back off and then decide what's next, right? Do I want to start something else? Do I want to go back to a different business and like kind of revamp it? You know, because that's kind of like starting a new thing, right? When we are future flipper, um, (laughs) going and rebranding into wealthy investor and wealthy world was a giant process. So I had to basically go back in the business, revamp all these things. I had to film all these new things. I had to go talk to the team a bunch. I had to create all these new programs. We had to film new courses. Like there was a whole bunch of things for revamping. And that could definitely happen, right? You know, the market shifted in real estate. I had to go back in the house flipping company and totally change how we were getting deals and start doing more creative stuff. So you know, it's not like your business is ever going to, is just going to be automated forever and you'll never have to look at it again. It's like, nah, I still go into all my businesses and see like, okay, what, what do we got to do? The, 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 the world is different today than it was two years ago. Okay. We can't keep doing the things we did two years ago. We got to constantly be adapting and adjusting. And hopefully, you know, my operators are able to do that on their own, but I mean, look, that's why I get paid the big bucks. I got to be the one, um, coming up with a lot of innovative things as well. It's I can't just rely on everyone else to do things for me. Okay. There are certain things, especially when it comes at high level strategy, that it's going to be best for me to do. Okay. Especially when we're going to be making a big change. So, you know, that that's kind of like the quick rundown of of having lots of businesses and, and how it would go. At some point when you reach a certain level, um, you'll want to think about like a parent company, which is what we have called Pineda Company. And at the parent company level, it's basically just the C-suite, right? You know, you got CFO, COO, um, you know, CTO, CRO. And the parent company's job is to simply just be an asset to all of the businesses underneath. And so Javi will be doing lots of things. He's the COO. And so he'll be managing and, and, and assisting all the different businesses, checking in, make sure everything's going well with them, giving them any resources that they need. Another thing the parent company does really well is recruit talent. So like we're always trying to recruit talent for the businesses and, you know, just overall all that, right. And just communicating my vision to each business unit leader and, um, you know, making sure all that goes smooth. But, you know, like the CFO, their job to make sure that none of these things are being missed and, you know, every dollar is being counted that we're, we're tr- like we're monitoring our expenses and all that. You know, we had something happen the other day. Um, one of my good friends, we actually paid him $55,000 on accident 
And <laughs> we were like, they went to me like, Ryan, did you, did you pay this guy $55,000? I was like, no. Um, I was like, I, I have no idea what that could have been. And like, we, we went through digging all these things and sure enough, we found out it was just an error. It's never happened before, but you know, we we're able to catch it and rectify it. And thankfully as my friend, not some random guy and you know, we're good. So, you know, in the end, uh, and by the way, you guys might be like, wouldn't your friend know if he got paid 55,000? No, my friend makes a lot of money. He's, I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't know if somebody paid me 55,000, like from something like there's just so many money going in and out of all these different accounts. Like, so no, he wouldn't know. But, uh, yeah, I think once you get to a high level, a parent company is good. And it's kind of like what people call shared resource. So, you know, there's a lot of shared resources there, like with HR, with finance, with marketing, with recruiting and all this stuff. And so it's just there to assist all of our companies that we own. And um, having that company will be great as we go to buy companies with Pineda Partners and and everything else. So um, that's the quick rundown of how I am able to run all these different businesses. I got really good people in place, really good operators, a really good parent company. And I focus all my time and effort on whatever new business we're launching or fixing whatever current business we have and, and revamping it, essentially. that That's kind of how I spend my day in the company. And uh, it's worked pretty well and will continue to evolve as, as time goes on. And uh, yeah, but anyways, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully it was insightful to you. Um, if you did and you're watching on YouTube, click this next video. I think you're going to like it in terms of... Uh, you know, just growing your business. And uh, if you're listening on podcast, make sure you're subscribed, leave a five-star review, and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.